Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started because we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise, aka Wissam24, and with me today are Ian Garfield, Ian G on the forum, Tom Jones, Tommy on the forum, Dan Ledwood, uh, Ledhead27 on the forum, and Dominic Vickery, Dom Vickery on the forum. Uh, for the sake of context and devoidance of doubt, we're recording this episode today on the 17th of May, which means at the beginning of this week, as much as every week seems like an eternity at the moment, the government announced that they were loosening the COVID-19 lockdown restrictions. Part of this included unlimited travel to outdoor spaces, which many people have taken to include plane spotting and going to the fence at airports and airbases. Um, spotting is a pretty integral part of our hobby. In fact, my own involvement with UCAR comes about came about from a visit to Bryce Norton. Probably the most burning question for us then is, Dom, would you go plane spotting at the moment? No, I don't think I would, no. Um, we're still seeing air shows being cancelled. You know, we've lost East Kirby and Abingdon today, so air shows aren't being able to be held, so why should we be swatting? I still don't think there's enough information or the, the virus is still too too predominant out there to, to do it to risk it so no I wouldn't do you think that there are some um, places that you would be safer to go spotting than others say you know, you, like you've got RAF Coningsby that's probably going to be heaving likewise Lake and Heath and Mildenhall maybe I don't know RAF Leeming or, or Valley or something where there's unlikely to be people at the fence, or as many people at the fence. Do you reckon there's a, a grey area, or is it just just not, not worth doing it? For me, not worth doing it at all. Yeah, I agree. Nothing's changed fundamentally. It's the same this week as it was last week. There isn't any real change, other than somebody saying that the restrictions are slightly eased. But that still doesn't mean that you can go wherever you want to, just because you want to go plane spotting. I think the issue is as well. I mean. You know, we've had the park. Well, not the parks closed, but you you have a, a playground in the park closed. If you go to somewhere like Coningsby, or the Wave at Waddington, or even Lakenheath, which have got dedicated viewing areas, it's exactly the same as going to a playground in the sense that loads of people congregate in that one place. So, you know, I I don't think though particularly those places should be opening up either. I think I think Lakenheath's opened this week, and I just I I I think it's a encourages people to go to the base which I don't think at the moment anyway is the right time to be doing it I, I completely agree you know I mean I'm we're all missing it we all want to go and see planes and there's still movement going on I mean there's a lot of cargo stuff moving for example but it's it's just a risk it's the same risk as going to the park it's the same risk as you know going shopping really um, okay you've got to go shopping you've got to get your food and stuff but just because the, the the restrictions have been loosened but it's not compulsory and you're still running a huge risk you're, you're running spreading it you could spread it to people there you can catch it off people there and I don't think we're in any doubt that after this week we're just going to see a second wave and spike come back I think that's that's pretty much on the cards now um, and I don't really want to be a part of that figure you know I've tried to I haven't gone outside that much full stop in the last few weeks and 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 it, as you say, it's going to be heaving with everyone who's been locked up, wanting to go and see stuff, missing air shows now the season started, and somewhere like Lakenheath is going to be heaving with people. I think I think on on the subjects of Lakenheath, um, and I know we spoke about it, but I think uh, a an abroad uh, F fifteen squadron was passing through. I think it mountain was mountain home. Yeah, I think it was mountain home. Um, I don't know how many people went. I've not actually seen any photos. Um, but you imagine if it was a searing hot day, um, you could imagine, you know, the base would be full to the brim with people. I suppose added to the mix as well is that you know there are a lot of people on on furlough at the moment, um, or who've you know probably quite sadly been made redundant, but who have otherwise sat at home without much else going on um you know people who work from home obviously they think oh well i've got work you know i can't just uh, take a day off ad hoc well maybe you can but um it's harder than people who by definition just aren't working at the moment um 
and I, I think that the, probably the temptation with them is probably a lot stronger than, than people who are either working from home or you know going back to work. Mm. Um, I'm stuck in Wales, so I'm still I'm still on the old on the old regular on the old thing anyway. We're still locked down. So I think I think my worry, if uh, it ever got to this point, if something I'm speaking obviously very specifically now, uh, obviously the Antonov two two five is flying around now. Mm. Imagine if it gets announced a couple of days in advance, like it has done in the past. Oh, guys, the Antonov 225 is coming to East Midlands. Can you imagine <laughs> what it would be like at the fence and if it's a nice evening? It'd just be chaos. And a lot of locations don't have massive areas to go to anyway. Well, no, I mean, like East Midlands, I only know because I, I used to go spotting there quite a bit. Um, because the aero park's not open, you've got a, a few perimeter roads and you've got a very small viewing area that goes onto a big dual carriageway and uh, well when when it came in 2014 people were parking on the dual carriageway they were parking on the grass on the slip road it was chaos and no, it, I, it, I remember that yeah you and i were both there and it was like just the whole surrounding the whole oh, fence on either side like you, you, you almost couldn't walk massive crowds which would be a nightmare for this yeah, and I mean, in that instance, I think the police were actually going around, actually issuing parking fines. I don't know how successful they were, but even um, now, I mean, the stretch, the stretch, even more thinly at the moment. Imagine if you, t- if a police officer turned around to a spot and went, "You shouldn't be here," they'd probably just get shouted out of the airport. The police. Mm. Would, would the police be able to say it? Do you, do you think that in pol- in government policy terms? If you can drive to say a national park to enjoy your or whatever the wording of it was, like I said, I'm in Wales, so I haven't paid that much attention to it. But if you can say drive to the Peak District for a day, is there anything different to playing devil's advocate? Is that any different to spotting at a base per day, assuming that you can maintain you know social distancing? Well, that's what people were interpreting on on the forums. There was a bit of debate. I mean. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, it was a bit muddled at first because the initial advice was not exactly clear. It's probably worth pointing out. I should have said it in the intro. It's quite lax of me, but those loosenings only apply in England, in Wales, and Scotland. They haven't been loosened at all. But that, I mean, that in itself, like, can you can you leave Wales and Scotland to go to an airbase in England? Um, how, how how are they how are they how are they going to know if I mean you shouldn't and English people shouldn't be travelling to Wales but. How are uh, so, you know? Say if I get stopped at the Seven Bridge, I suppose they can check my address. But how are they really going to know um, that my car is one from? Well, perhaps they're just checking the number plates or something. But it, it just seems very like in depth to go to check every single car coming across the Seven Bridge. And even then, you know, could could I plead that I had to go to to, to Bristol to work? You know, um, rather than working in Cardiff one day or something. You know, I had to go to a function or something socially distant function in bristol how, how you know how are they going to really stop it how are they really going to police it between the two i, th- I think um, this is where the whole whole thing falls down it's not like a speeding ticket where you are either it's very black and white you're either speeding or you're not speeding if you're driving a car say for instance i'm i'm driving to england i'd probably hop on the a1 from where i am in edinburgh if a police car pulled me over they can't categorically say why i'm an I'm not doing it's not it's unfortunately one of those very grey areas where it's just not clear cut and I I, I mean it's so hard to police it's it's all about you know how I'd go about it well you were sort of mentioning it earlier if you know the police turned up at the forest gate entrance at Lakenheath and it was heaving with spotters you know, clearly within two meters of each other. Um, what what would they do? Could they disperse the crowd? Are the people just going to go away and come back? Everyone just goes to Milton. Wow. And they're back to Lake and Ethan. The police turn up at Milton for Chelmsford. I suppose it all depends down to just because you can do something, should you be doing it? It's self policing as as is a way. As I said, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't encourage anyone else to go, but. What's to stop someone else just going? Well, why should I listen to you? Mm. Yeah, it's all down to how the individual interprets the you know, the guidelines, isn't it? You're, you're always going to have somebody that will sort of spoil it for the others. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, it 
you, you know, we see it all the time at air shows. Don't stand on step ladders. Someone stands on a step ladder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't put tents up. You know, tent goes flying to a Spitfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not wanting to slate the hobby too much, but there are certainly a few people that we've all seen at air shows and at the fence who don't really seem to regard the rules that highly. And you do wonder if that's going to apply for this as well. Well, I mean, maybe it's the rules. The you know, say the the ten meter zone, the tents and ladders. I mean, that's that's one of the most flouted rules out there, um, as far as I remember from from say React Cosford crowd lines and others as well. But um, that's just a that's just like a, a politeness thing. That's just to allow as many people as possible to see the the show rather than you know someone grabbing a bit of air show crowd line real estate and putting up a gazebo and having them, you know getting out the, the pins and, and stuff with the whole family so maybe the type of person that would do that might draw the line at saying well actually this is a health thing um i'm not going to go and do this but i i don't care for people at air shows because i've paid my ticket and i got here first so gazebo um Maybe there's a, a line. I don't think I would begrudge anyone going spotting, um, partly because I desperately want to go myself, even though at the moment I can't. Um, as long, I, I just think it's, it's... I mean, the government do say it's a common sense thing. I suppose it is to a certain extent because they've left it so open to interpretation. I think if you can go somewhere and you know you can manage to do spotting whilst in self-isolated... You know, what, you know, uh, socially distant... Um, then, then maybe that's fine. But you know, who really is going to go out for a day spotting, turn up at Lake and Heath, see that it's absolutely heaving, and then think, "Ah, oh, well, never mind. I'm going to go home." I don't think anyone would, because that you know, people have made unless they're very, very local. In which case, you know, would they even be going right now if there's not that much to see? Um, but if they, you, no one's going to just turn around and go home if they think, "Oh, it's a bit heaving here." I'm not yeah, it's a really good point. Because they've made a commitment, so so you know, maybe that's where the common sense goes out the window. I don't know. I you know, pl I'm playing devil's advocate a bit. It's it's a very new. It, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think I can begrudge anyone for going spotting now. It's, during lockdown, yes, because the rules expressly said stay at home. But I think now in England, the people who live in England, you know, if, if they're that desperate to go and they can do it in a way that's you know socially distant from other people, um, then. Um, I mean, what else can you do? Um, and if and if you don't want to, or I don't want to, or other people don't want to, then we just have to just not go and and not be exposed to the people that do go. I just think that's the only thing that can be done. I don't know practically what else there is. It is a gamble. I think I'm I'm what the closest to me, not not including spam. Northolt for you, wouldn't it be? North. Well, that's I mean that's a difficult one to spot out anyway because you've got to go and, well not difficult but certainly in this context would be difficult because you're only on pavement people passing you every time you go um, there's been there actually has been some fairly interesting stuff going in and out of Northall recently um, checking on the old flight radars but um, well I'm about an hour and a half from Bryce maybe that and a bit more to Lakenhall and it's a you know it's a commitment you've got to get up early and get there if you get there and no and, and you're hyped up in your mind as yeah. well. Like you're like, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I've been waiting for this for ages. No air shows. Finally, getting a bit of aviation, my aviation fix. Yeah. You, you, if you see it as heaving, and you've driven an hour and a half, and you've got up early, and, you, and you've hyped yourself up, you're never gonna, you're not gonna turn around and go home and be like, oh, well, never mind. You, I mean, I mean uh, you might try and look for something else locally, but you're certainly not gonna go out. It's a one. Uh, and for that reason, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because I wouldn't want to be in that position where mm. I've either got to really let myself down or take a risk that I, I'm i not prepared to take at the moment. Or go cross-country, you know, get to Lake and Eat and be like, right, heaving here, sod it, Coningsby, off I go. Well, yeah, Marham. Heaving <laughs> here as well, off I go to Leeming. Not that there's anything of interest at Marham anymore. You know. I will not stop until I get to Lossy Mouth. <laughs> and then you'll find that the runway's closed because it's been resurfaced. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They're on nights or something, you know. I, th I think the problem I'd find, and not to sound like a goody two shoes and, and stuff like that, even though I sort of am when I say this, I think <laughs> I, th I think the problem I'd have is, um, I don't know. So for me, for example, I'd be going to Edinburgh. Uh, sorry, I'd be going from Edinburgh to Presswick. 
would I enjoy myself if I'm thinking in the background, what if I get caught? Or I mean, I, I know at the moment Scotland is under full lockdown. I'm talking if I, if it was in similar situation to England, but if I went to press, I thought, what if I, I'm not enjoying myself because I'm, I'm constantly thinking, what if someone catches me? Um, what if someone stands within two meters of me? What if it is absolutely heaving and I just don't feel comfortable? I mean, to be honest, that's everyone who's ever pulled a sickie to go spotting, isn't it? I mean, that's why I've never pulled a sickie to go spotting. Some, something I have never done. <laughs> <laughs> Name and shame. <laughs> um, I mean, again, that, that's a very sort of personal opinion of mine. Um, but I, I don't, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's, I, I think that's it. I think, I think you... you um, found the the sort of the conclusion to it is that it's a it's a personal thing um which is really frustrating because like what, what does that even mean but it is a personal thing it's just because you don't feel comfortable doesn't all by, by definition therefore mean that other people shouldn't as well um you know if they feel comfortable doing it and you know and and if you're able to just be like stay away from me for a couple of weeks just to make sure then fine you know let them let them do that but um yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I think it's probably fine. Personally, I probably wouldn't feel that comfortable doing it. But I, I also have got the itch, and I completely understand the, the want to do it. And I think I, after a few weeks have gone past, I'll start to be more and more desperate to do it as well. Especially as there's no air shows or nothing to to give you that fix. So, been just been thinking of everything we've all just said and discussed. If tomorrow someone sent me a message saying get yourself to Mildenhall, there's a WB fifty seven coming in. Ooh. You you can bet I'd be in my car. I mean, WB fifty. I mean, a camera is a camera, isn't it? No matter yeah. how, uh, how how developed <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I remember I, I had the chance to go and see one. When, when did they last turn out? Twenty eleven Mildenhall. I had wasn't the chance that long ago, was it? Really? Yeah. Well, nearly ten years now, but yeah. Before, I mean, sort of right either before or right when I was. I mean, just getting into air shows, let alone going spotting at that point. Yeah, I, I someone I knew at uni was going to drive down, and they did, and they got amazing shots of it. And I just, I can't remember why I didn't go. Probably some girls. And, um, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it wasn't as committed then. Wasn't as sad and, and lonely now. There, there was what I've just had a look. Uh, there was a WB fifty seven that turned up at um, Presswick in twenty fourteen. Nice, 2014. very fourteen. Cool. Don't know if I would have made it to Presswick. I think I think Mildenhall was 2011 or t- maybe 2010, and it was it wasn't in the NAS yeah. scheme as well. Um, but it's this is this is a similar sort of thing to something else I was um, hoping to talk about, and that's um, people who spot uh, display practices at places like Coningsby and Lincoln, or oh, Scampton even, um, not naming any names, because hmm. because. Is, you know, what happens if it goes wrong? Um, it, it's just one of those things. You know, you see these people that, that go and stand underneath the display, sort of, uh, the display data, and they get some really good photos. And I don't really begrudge those people per se, but the RAF's handling of it is a bit weird because they seem to sort of like be like, yeah, you know, you retweet all the photos or share them on Facebook or whatever. Um, they've got no objection to that, but then once they do get their public display authority, which certifies that display team as safe to display for the public they then go and close like however many roads at Shutterworth you know behind the display or at Cosford they'll display on a weird axis because they want to dodge um, uh, Albrighton yeah and it's, so it's, it's just a bit odd isn't it because before they get certified as being safe to display for the public you know they're happy for these photographers very publicly to, to watch and photograph their displays and these spotters to do so but then, once they start displaying, they'll close all of the the roads behind Shutterworth so that no one can stand in the north. Yeah, place. it's just it's just a weird paradox, isn't it? Like, what, yeah, like I mean, it's not it's not the understand that it's not the photographers themselves I'm really begrudging. Um, you know, they they get great shots and and you know it's fine and it's like I said it's 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 the reds it's the typhoon and, and the chance that it could go wrong in the, in the practice probably isn't a huge amount more than the chance. It, of it going wrong during a display because it's always so polished and it's so drilled in and, and, and well rehearsed but it's just one of those things isn't it it's just such an inconsistent way of handling it from the RAF I've it, never really understood it 
it might be a really strong word to use, but it's kind of hypocritical to to take and publish photos taken from areas that you will actively ban people from going once it gets to a real display mm. and use them for publicity. Well, plenty of air shows do that with photography from, uh, you know, from, from live side areas. You know, I, I, again, not naming any names, I've yeah. seen people who are in some official capacity doing stuff at Riyadh. And I've seen photos posted from Riyadh. And I've seen Riyadh themselves you know, retweet photos. The uh, British Airways 747 in BOAC colours with the reds comes to mind last year. You know, I think um, they retweeted someone's photo. And it was an amazing photo. From, from top really of good down, shot. Yeah, and, and it was from top of down. So it's just one of those really weird things. Is it hypocritical? Or is it just a bit of a paradox? Or is it, you know, live and let live? It just seems weird that shows put so much effort into stopping people from going there, but then when they see photos from those particular locations, they're like, oh, great, get that in the programme, get that on social media, wherever else. And then does does the publicis- you know, the publicisation of those really good images from those locations then encourage other people to go there? So are they not shooting themselves in the foot? Um, it's one of those weird things I've never really been able to properly wrap my mind up. It's a, it's a good point, though. I mean, going back to... So one of the first points that you made was there, Tom. Oh, several, sorry. Um, about it, like, I was going to say, <laughs> let me just rewind 10 minutes. Um, about, um, you know, that it's not just that these displays can go wrong during an air show. I mean, like, unfortunately, like, tonight, we've seen the, the Snowbirds incident. Mm. And... Well, it's the time of the time of the recording. We don't know. We don't no, know uh, exactly. Which, yeah, exactly. It's important to note that we don't know what's happened just yet. It's very much happened in the past couple of hours. But you know, if you're stood at the end of the runway, it, you're not immune to, you know, something. I mean, God forbid it ever happened to anybody. But you, you just it 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 boils down to um, just because you can do it, should you do it? Yeah, that's that's why it's a similar sort of thing that. Yeah, when we were talking about that, that's it's just one of those things I've always struggled to wrap my head around. Mm. Um, it's it's not so much whether or not people should do it. You know, that's down to the. It's a bit libertarian, but that's down to those people as long as they understand the risk, I suppose. But no, yeah. absolutely. I, I I'd never I'd never turn around to if I was driving past one of those people and say yeah. you shouldn't be stood here because you are entitled to doing what you want. If um, it, it it is literally just in a as you say tom it's just a an interesting thought topic to sort of trying to wrap it's your the head paradox around. isn't it is the, the the fact that the raf mm. goes to such effort during their display season to prevent and and air shows as well for their respective you know areas they try and make sure that people don't uh, go to you know, the naughty fields or whatever else people call them um and yet they're also happy to to use those particular images, shots, whatever else. I mean, it, it's getting into very heavy territory, so I'll steer out of it in a minute. But the the Shoreham air show, at least what at least two of the victims were there to watch the air show. Mm. Um, mm. So, I mean, obviously that, it, it, that those are really really tragic events. But it just seems very odd that there's the paradox that air shows not and the RAF are so desperate once they're actually doing their what you would hope is as as risk averse uh, an air show as possible within the realms of entertainment and going to such effort to stopping people from going to these locations but then once the images come out of those locations they're like oh yeah brilliant yeah let's borrow that for social media let's you know let's get that on facebook let's get that into our program or into you know the the yearbook of that particular display team um because i mean the other thing as well is you know if they're happy, take the Red Arrows for instance. You know, you've got some some uh, photographers at Scampton that produce some really really interesting, cool images that you don't get watching them at a normal show because they're in a different place. But and and the Red Arrows are happy. You know, the pilots themselves on Twitter and wherever else are happy to share those images. But then they, like I said, then they close roads at Shutterworth. That's just one example. Or they another example do that weird display line at Cosford. Is that not like a reverse declaration? You know, once they've got their PDA, are they then suddenly saying that their display is so unsafe they have to close these roads? Like, do you, like, do you, know, do you understand what I mean? It's it's a weird, it's such a weird paradox. They're happy for that to happen during the off season, 
which I suppose is also when people are more inclined to go to watch practice displays because there's nothing else going on, um, rather than an air show to... I mean, it all, it all, it's all part of that same knee-jerk response to Shoreham. Tragedy that it was, you know, not trying to downplay what happened, but everyone needed to be seen to be doing stuff after Shoreham. Yeah. And part of that was, you know, I remember the first Shuttleworth I went to, and it was the Red Arrows, wasn't it? Of course it was, because no one else needs it done. But, well, no, they do now, don't they, where they, they close the main road alongside it. Um, mm. and it yeah. is and it's, it's bizarre because it, it's what makes it less safe than just a normal day with aircraft movements on approach to the airfield because um, that's presumably where the danger lies because th- there's as much risk of a not sound too morbid but of you know something like the, the red arrows are displaying at, at, at Shuttleworth there's as much risk of them going anywhere else on the airfield as it is going into the road you know into a car on the road next to the runway it's just so mm. it's arbitrary is what it is yeah i mean it, yeah it's, it's like the the red arrows can no longer fly their display at farnborough which which to me is like you know farnborough is is one of the things where yeah, i mean that's where the that's where the uh, the hunters of the black yeah. arrows and whatever your know, red pelicans or you know that that played a huge Part in well, arguably in the formation of the Red Arrows, and now they're so neutered that they can't perform a, a public display there. But yet, during that same year, when they say, "Oh, we, you know, we can't, we can't display at Farnborough. There's too, you know, there's, there's civilians around. And it's no longer, it's too built up." But then they're also happy for photographers to stand at the end of the runway and take live side display shots. And I'm fine with either, but I think just sort of make a decision. And I think the decision should just be back as it was, you know, pre-shoring, where we all knew it was safe, and those that are there in those situations, as long as they are warned about it, probably had um, a rough idea of their, of their own safety. And you know, maybe it is just because of shoring, but it's just a weird inconsistency. And I think in a post-shoring world, which is where we are now, and there's no point talking about pre-2015, um, Either be consistent or don't. Or, well, be consistent and allow it totally. And don't close any roads. And don't demand that you do a weird display axis. Or don't. And force the road closures. But also don't tolerate people photographing an uncertified display You know, during the off-season. It's, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird paradox. If they want to go and stand outside an airbase, they're allowed to. But don't use... Don't publish. Don't Don't... Publicize yes, yourself. yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't tolerate Using the wrong those, word. Yeah, those don't images. encourage and and and. And you're right because it is encouragement. It's just it's like um like Mac loop photos and that sort of thing, uh, and everything that sort of brought an end to that a couple of years ago or a lull in it. You always going to have someone that that will want to make some money yeah. or will sell a picture to a newspaper. Mm. I mean, heck, even uh, when they had the hawk that crashed uh, before the start of the season. Oh, of course, uh, it was the uh, it's engineer, wasn't it? Yes, that was the one. Yeah. Uh, what was yeah. that? Uh, was it twenty eighteen? Yeah, it was two thousand eighteen. Yeah, it was the one that crashed at Valley, wasn't it? Corporal Corporal Bayliss was the was the the blue who, who lost. Yeah, it was because it was it was it was part of the TV series. Yeah. But when they put the TV series on, yeah, they sort of brushed upon it on one of the episodes about the incident. But th- it was th- relatively recently. But I think it it went low level either, either yeah. that morning or a day prior and somebody got a photo of it and they sold it to a newspaper and they got absolutely slated for it and rightly so same. I think in those it's the same with um, when the, well, the Hornet crashed uh, a few years ago as well the pictures were sold there's always going to mm. be one person that, yeah. that will do it. Yeah. Uh, it as much as you can tell people in a Facebook group or whatever not to do it that there's always somebody um, it's not just that as well it's like um People who will go up the loop. What, what are, I've always had a, a bit of a weird feeling about these so-called unwritten rules of the loop because um, I don't know what they are, and I've been going up the loop for ages. I know that I know roughly some of them, and I know I know what some people think that they are. But uh, but this is the problem with unwritten rules is that no one has a clue. Um, you know, because it's like I mean anything anything could be an unwritten rule. You must you must not 
you, you know, the only biscuit that you can take up there are hobnobs. That's an unwritten rule. And it's like, oh, well, it's unwritten. You know, isn't, I can't prove that it's not an unwritten rule. Um, but one of the more clearer ones is um, to avoid, and it's not, it's not one that I disagree with, it's just what people say, is to avoid posting video or images of pilots doing something that's non-standard, i.e., you know, uh, uh, planes in full afterburner or something, or planes lower than uh, 250 feet, which I think is the RAF minimum. I think the USAF is 500 feet, um, or whatever else, you know. See, I, I that's what. Sorry, go on. I I do have to disagree with a rule like that. I I yeah yeah you and I both. If, if it's on the pilots not to break the rules, <laughs> people can go yeah, and stand absolutely. on the side of a hill and take photos. And I think you know if you go if you go through the Mac loop, it's famous enough to know that there's probably likely people up there that are going to take a picture of you doing it. So you know, yeah, um, go to Scotland or something if you want to do it. But what what some people have done in the past is they they had these photos and they published them to um, some of the less reputable news organisations. They've run a front page, you know, um, awesome. I mean, it's the whole I'm with stupid affair, right? You know, someone sold that image of a tornado with a backseater with an I'm with stupid uh, label and they, they sell it to the mail the daily mail and they ran a thing mail, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, people slated the people for doing that and I think there's a fine line between selling images to the press um, and trying to make a buck off something that you probably shouldn't and I think that the person who sold that probably would have known not excusing the RAF behaviour I think the reason that that rule exists amongst people who go to the Mac Loop frequently is because they're saying, you know, you knew that that was probably something that's just a bit of banter for us. Maybe you shouldn't have sold that to the papers and got some RAF crew yeah. uh, reprimanded. But I agree with you. I, 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 you know, one, it's unwritten, so what the bloody hell do all the unwritten rules say? I don't know. But also, it's for the RAF not to do, not for the photographers not to publish. But I think there's also, maybe there's a duty... Uh, yeah, maybe there's a bit of sixty forty type of thing. Going but on. I think there are also a lot of people who will go up on the loop, go up to the loop, who aren't. I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers here. Part of the hobby, and won't yeah be part of that community that admonishes things like that. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the, well, that's the, another criticism of unwritten rules. Well, how how are people supposed to know what they are? Um, but that's what stopped the RAF frontliners from going to the loop. I mean, the loop is, is not what it once was because of that video of the typhoon that was, you know, that came in very low level and then exited vertically doing sort of rolls as it went up, which to me was fine. And it was fine for the person who posted the video to have posted it, but um, a lot of people didn't like it. And for good reason in their mind, because now the RAF frontliners don't seem to visit the loop anywhere near as frequently, if at all. I think you, you and Ian are the only ones here who've done the loop, aren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never been to the loop. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I've done it a lot. Ian, you've done it a lot, haven't you? Yeah. When did you start going? Because obviously you, you just said it's nothing like it used to be. And it has become now... <sighs> I'm, I'm loathe to use elitist terminology, but it has become a, you know, very popularised now and maybe overcrowded. And obviously there was a time when it was kind of not known about it's, it's been known about pretty frequently in the hobby don't you think Ian? yeah uh well I first went for a long time so i first went in 2002 um it was oh, well, i was supposed to be in lectures i was at university in bangor um <laughs> although my oh, second, second and theater probably uh, spent more time going to valley and to the loop i think <laughs> <laughs> um but i remember uh, me and my friend peter we got some written instructions of where to go and he came to visit me and we spent, I think it was an afternoon, up on Cadwest. And there were two other people up there. And we had a couple of tornadoes and a couple of hawks. And it was something that we'd read about uh, mm. on the internet. Yeah. And it was just like, this is a great place where you can see a level training. That was pretty much it. No websites at all about paths or anything like that. The only information there was that there was Cadwest, Cad East, and the bulk. That was it. Uh, yeah. And there were people that had been going for donkey's years, um, well-known names to uh, to a lot of people, and they've got shots of all sorts of things, buccaneers and everything going through, which is, you know, it's, it's the stuff of dreams, really. And it's 
it, it was quite a magical place in, I say, the early years. I say magical loosely. It was, it was something new. It wasn't anything that anybody was really used to before. Um, nobody really knew about it until it got popularised through social media. And, mm. you know, I, me and my friend Pete, we had holidays in Wales. We'd spend a week up there. Usually it was wet in the summer. <laughs> but just, it, it, it might sound damn, mm. but just to go up on a hillside, you know, a couple of times in the week. But it, it was great. It, that was a holiday to us, and it was really good. Sadly, mm. you know, more people you know, found out about it. Um, I don't know whether it's, it's right to say sadly, because it sounds like you're being quite selfish over it, really. Um, anybody else that goes up has as much right as anybody else going up there. Um, yeah. Again, it's just a few people that are ruining it for the majority of people going up there. Perhaps that's why it's the sadly, you know, when you when you see footage of like cars that are half rolled over in ditches or yeah. um, when so my first time up there with a camera was in 2013. But I've been going. Um, so my mum and dad are from Welshpool, so we used to go to Aberystwyth for holiday all the time. Oh, on holiday, sorry, all the time. We used to go camping. We used to go camping at, uh, there's a great campsite near uh, Flambeda as well. Amazing place. Really, really good. Um, and um, so we used to go to those two places like frequently in the 90s and stuff. And I used to watch the things in the loop, certainly in the early 2000s. Um, I remember going up there without a camera, I think for the first time in like 2007 or 2008 and I remember seeing Harriers um, because I was doing something with dad and we had like a lunch time so we went up there with some sandwiches not all the way up like compared to where I know to go now but um, back then we climbed for what seemed like ages and we saw quite a, you know, quite a hefty lunch um, in terms of aircraft movement but I don't know it seemed to be when I first went up there with a camera in 2013 I was looking back at the old photos I took um, and I turned up in the middle of the morning because I just had a, a day off, I'd just come back from uni or something. And I turned up in the middle of the morning and I was the only car in the car park and it was a blisteringly hot, really good weather day. So there's no other reason for people not to go to the loop. And it was on a Friday as well, so a lot of people could have taken you know, so what I'm saying is ideal conditions for an absolutely round day. And I it was either I was the only car in the car park or there were like two others, but I didn't see anyone else. Um, and I turned up in the middle of the day. Um, when I stopped going the well, last time was in 2018 and you had to get there at about 6.37 in the morning and there were people having breakfast on stoves that had travelled down from like you know, like well, so I, the furthest person travelled was from Australia but the furthest person I ever met wow. travelled from the UK was from um, Hull it's globally famous you yeah well the, the, the videos are on there and I, yeah, well, it, it started to get say a bit silly I think it was about 2015 2016 when just about to say that yeah when you had uh, coach loads I think there was four or five coach loads in the car park for uh, Cad West and that's when cars were being pulled out of the uh, the grass verge yeah, as well police had that, to that was like the, the Thursday Friday before Riyadh it was a bit of a free-for-all really and it wasn't I'm gonna say well policed that there was always going to be something that would happen and you know it was a video that saw put on social media I mean, uh, uh, but maybe possibly bringing it round to full circle with what's going. <laughs> if you could, if Wales wasn't on lockdown at the moment and in the same, you know, situation as England, would you go to the Mac Loop? People have been up the loop even during lockdown. Yeah. People have been up there. I don't. I'd be surprised if there's even that large a reduction in numbers. Yeah. Probably because everyone's thinking now's the time to go. Yeah. There's a reduction in numbers, but a reduction because you know. It's become quite clear in the last 18 months that the RAF don't, other than Hawks, they don't really use it that much. So you're placing a lot of reliance on the US Air Force. And also, um, the tornadoes have been retired. Um, and those were, the last couple of years, those were like the, the things that, they were number one on the list for people to get, maybe Ospreys or something. Um, they, they were the things that people wanted from low level. Mm. So now that they've been retired, there's been a palpable drop in low level attendance. I would have thought, but I haven't been since tornadoes retired, so I couldn't. The closest I ever got to the loop, Tom, you and I were going to go. Um, we were. It was, it, the, was, it was the day after that video came out. Yeah, I'd, I'd spent a fortune on winter gear. I was, I was <laughs> building myself up. I wanted this snowy backlit tornado shot. And then we, we'd set a date. It was all good to go. And then that tornado, uh, typhoon video come out. 
never been anywhere close since. It's really odd, actually, thinking about it. It, it has peaked and troughed over the years because when we first went, uh, we found the information on the internet, and so these people that we went up and met up there, they were only too happy to tell us about these other places. And over the years, yeah, there were people that knew other people in various squadrons and things, and they got text messages to say that like, something such had taken off from Marham or whatever. And then I think towards the end of like 2008, 2009, there were people that were in closed groups and you had things like Fox 2 and those sorts of forums and things. And they were closing ranks. Mm, yeah, yeah, Fox 2, and yeah. Then I remember there was an ITV documentary up there that, it, that nobody was supposed to know about it and it was only sort of certain people. And it was a case of it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it got very, very <sighs> nasty. And then these groups opened up on Facebook, LFA7, Matloop, Open Forum, Low Level Enthusiasts, etc. So it, many. Again, you, they're, they're private groups, but there's still a lot of information sharing. And then you get to things yeah. like the RAF stations that are saying, we might be going through, even Belgian F-16 squadrons saying, we hope to see you in a few days, guys. Mm. Tiger F-16 yeah. to yeah. through. The uh, C-17, yeah. that was people in the know. Yeah. Was it one of the Rafales and that? Well, it was like... It, was it 2016 that the F-22s went through? And yeah. I certainly didn't know until they'd gone through, but plenty of people did. Yeah, it, so. it's, it's the yeah. same same names, and I don't you, you don't want to sort of disgruntle anybody. You know, it, it's great that they've got that inside information, and many of the people that do have been aware that things are going through. Their photos are brilliant. You know, you've got the likes of Nigel Blake, but it, it's funny how some of the same names always seem to crop up at the same time as, as things happen and yeah, you, you, know, you can get a bit jealous over it you would like to know but I'm, I'm not losing your sleep over it yeah I remember being very surprised um, it was Riet Departure Stone 2013 uh, so the last year of the French Mirage F1s. F1s yeah and I remember so me and my dad were stood at the fence line next to a group of Dutch spotters that we got chatting to quite a bit and the uh, Mirage F1s left um and we, me and these Dutch guys got talking about them. We were like, oh, and they were like, oh yeah, um, four of our mates are in the Mac loop. I was like, why? And they were like, oh, they know that they're going to go through the loop low level. I was like, how How do you know this? Like, I, th th and that was obviously the first I heard of it. And then sure enough, later, yeah. I started seeing the photos pop through of the two jets go through. So as you say, it's sort of probably obviously the same people all the time that get that scoop, as it were. Mm. And, oh, and, and it's funny because I'm I've wanted to go to the Mac Loop, you know, for a long time because it, it is almost one of those, you know, it is one of those rites of passage. Um, but for me, it's you know I live in London, so it's a you know, five hour plus drive to it. So I'd have to commit to a two or three days, and you know that's a long time to commit for potentially nothing regular going through. Mm. And so I would really only want to time it if I knew something particular was going through. Was it 2018 when the when the French, after Riyadh, were denied a pass through the loop? I'm se I seem to recall yeah, that. 18 I think or, it was. Yeah. I, I've heard a rumour yeah, about that. that but sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, didn't. I mean, the, the daft thing is, it, it, if you haven't experienced it, it is worth going just once. I mean, it, my mum and dad have been up there. My dad went up just after he had a hip operation. About, about 15 years ago <laughs> crazy <laughs> enough even secretaries and admin staff at work that have seen photos they've asked for directions and things and I've told them they've been up and they said it's amazing it yeah. is it is a spectacle really? it's difficult to put into words but I mean, you only see an aircraft for like 15-20 seconds depending where you are but when you see it in the distance it's coming towards you and you've got the rush of adrenaline trying to get your camera ready and when it goes past underneath you it, you, you can't put it into words at all it, it just fills you with such a, a strange feeling and it is you've got to go to experience it it's it's like it's a bit like fishing isn't it like yeah. you know, hours of nothing absolutely nothing and that's what you don't see in the photos and the videos and stuff you just don't see the, the, sh the boredom and you know there's only so many times you can scroll facebook and twitter and instagram and you're, you're like refreshing it like a slot machine and then suddenly <laughs> suddenly something comes or you hear something and like you know and you, know, you might have heard several things, but this one's not a bus for once. You know, it's not a bus <laughs> making a weird noise going out the valley. It's an actual aircraft. You're like, yes, and all of like three hours of boredom just melts away. Um, 
and it's just the th it's yes it's almost like the thrill thrill of the hunt um if that's a bit of it's a bit of a weird way to put it but it is i think, I think all spotting is like that isn't it yeah absolutely um but it's i think it's just another level when you see jets in their element rather than with their gear down on a, on a very bog standard approach to land or taxiing yeah. or something it's like these jets actually flying through valleys below you if you Points. Yeah, I suppose it's seen an aircraft designed to do what it's meant to do, rather than just do some spinny, zoomy up and downy bits at an <laughs> air show. Some of, some of my most excited and happy memories of this hobby, and there are a lot of them. There are so many, um, have been from the loop because it is so exciting. Like when stuff does happen, um, and it's it, it's just not the same when you're at Park and View. Even when the rarest jet you go by at Park and View, you'd be so excited to see it, so pleased you're getting that shot. But it's um, it's just another level when you see them low level. Sorry, level twice there. It's it, it's funny that I mean uh, obviously everyone knows the Mac Loop, um, but I mean obviously it's not the only low level area in the UK. Like I mean I've been up to the Highland. I've seen not meaning to be there but I've seen like low level Tucanos and Hercules up in the Highlands you've got is it LFA 17 in the Lake District they get nowhere near the amount of exposure as I mean I, I, I don't know much about low level, low level stuff because I've never done it is it just the, the relative ease of getting to the Mac Loop compared to the Lake District I think it's easier photography wise and access wise um, the, the Lake District I think they're a bit more reliant on getting some good weather and up to not very long ago there wasn't say that much stuff going through uh, it's only sort yeah. of really since everything that happened with the demise of the loop that things diverted through to the Lake District and I mean the Tucanos used to smash it up there yeah yeah like, you'd always see a Tucano essentially maybe it's because they're based further up there not far away yeah absolutely but um, yeah it, it's just interesting how you know the the Mac loops almost got like this cult status um, just just I think just because of social media and people I mean yeah. like uh, people see it and then they google it and there's a, there's a huge wealth of very helpful information out there which is really good it's, it's not a bad thing at all and then they but it it's the the social media aspect I guarantee if you go and look at any of the videos on YouTube or pictures on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram uh, shared in a group that has you know sufficient reach rather than like you know some some bloke in his personal account with four followers um i guarantee there will be at least one comment saying someone tagging someone else saying we have to do this or someone being like how do i get here how yeah. do i see this um or someone saying i'm hoping to go um it, people just see it and they're like oh brilliant and there's so much information about it but i mean that's had unintended consequences it was 2016 i, I remember talking to some of you guys in in the group chat when it happened but we, I was up there in February 2016 um, and um, on the ground on the sort of on the road it was about I don't know, 10 or 11 degrees up there it was with wind chill it was easily in the minus figures and it was snowing and it was frosty and I had like you know like my third layer of socks were down oh, yeah. and I had my, my Gore-Tex uh, the gator things you know you put over your boots and it covers mm. your, your boots and your ankles um, and I had my fisherman's trousers on and I had like four layers on and I was so cold you're painting quite an image here <laughs> so so cold and my camera was soft anyway so I had this like pop-up tent it was so cold and I was like nursing this flask of tea and it, you know, and it was like half past nine and I'd already had half of it <laughs> that desperate and then this family comes up with like wearing flip flops and like Hello Kitty t-shirts and like leggings and they just they put out the thinnest uh, crappiest little picnic blanket and um, they all sat on it and it was like in the boggiest bit as well and there's a video of it somewhere there's, I've seen it there's a video on YouTube of us up there um, and, and all of us lot like um, other sort of enthusiasts talking and we're all sort of dressed similar we've got similar sort of gear and then we saw we, we saw these kids and they were coughing their guts up and they were absolutely hating it and so this is why a lot of people who i know up there call me the social worker now because i went up to i went up to them i was like are you guys okay and they're like oh we've got this raf flying timetable that we found on the internet Where, when's the air show and i was like oh god um so i was like look get your kids in this pop-up 
like festival tent that I bought from Blacks or something just to it's just somewhere just to go out out of the elements because it was it was like really sleeting it down and they went in there and they ate all my bloody chocolate um, and then, <laughs> yeah yeah and I was like look have some chocolate I'll give you some energy have, have tea for my flask and then I was like look just get back down like you, you're gonna do it was in half term and I was like you're not gonna do your February maybe it wasn't anyway it was it was some school holiday they were on I was like you're not gonna do your kids any good being up here in a brilliant t-shirt and flip-flops and that that I'm sure we will do a podcast on it one day but how social media has yeah that's that's its own topic not benefited the hobby and things like that that has and again you know not wanting to use elitist terminology because I'm I, I'm so against the idea of of excluding people from the hobby I think everyone's got their own every as much right as anyone else to be interested in aircraft and aviation but it has people don't do the preparation or research that they need to for stuff um, and I you know I think I turned up to the first first time I went spotting I went to Bryce Norton I turned up I didn't have a, any stall I don't think I had a chair I didn't have anything really because I didn't know where you know I thought I could just park my car at the fence and it happens um, it just it, I mean that that idea of it being Wednesday air show is what I think the Mac loop has got us um, as a reputation now mm. well, I think there is actually a timetable if you google the map loop one yeah. there is an actual timetable comes up obviously yeah it's... the RAF do publish that but people only get there because they're googling RAF low level flying because they've seen something you, not many people know that there's an RAF time, you know, low flying timetable which is complete crap by the way it's not worth the paper it's written on but people only get there because they see stuff well I argue, I, I would have thought, because they see stuff on Facebook or social media or shared by a famous person. Or 100%. Yeah, I, I think it probably goes... Otherwise, how, how are they know to Google for it? It, it probably goes back, to, and as well, you, like the videos, um, it doesn't, like you said um, quite eloquently, it doesn't show the hours of doing absolutely nothing. Uh, people probably think, oh, there's going to be a typhoon smashing its way through the loop every five minutes. Yeah, it feels like that when you watch the videos you think oh it's wall to wall action you know this guy went up there for like an hour he got all these movements and it's not it's, it's, it's such a such a exhausting day and you're in the elements as well that that day that day the when I said about February when I went up um, I had two days off work and the first so the one where the people with flip flops came up that was up the book and that actually had a, a decent amount of movements the day before that the only thing I went to Cad West uh, East, sorry, excuse me, Cad East, and the only thing that uh, turned up was a Navy Hawk, and I ballsed up the shot because I dropped my camera because I was having a wee, and I was like, ah, and I didn't know what to put away first and get out last, and, you know, everything else. I hope the uh, Hawk took a picture of you trying to take a picture. No, it was a belly shot. It was thank God, you know. So that's in the Daily Mail. One thing that does frustrate me on social media is that people that might join these groups or ask where these locations are and they get berated by all sorts of people saying you should know and they come up with all sorts of silly comments and there's so many silly yep. threads that yeah. happen that descend into chaos just through somebody wanting to ask a question, a genuine question as to where this stuff is. And a simple answer yeah. would just, uh, just sort it all out. Yeah. It, I think to some, I think, I think there are some people that, that treat it um, a little bit elitist but I think that there are yeah. a lot of others ironically enough it's it's the sort of the, the people that have been doing it for donkey's years who are still very if you can find them in amongst the crowds of other people who swear that they've seen a typhoon do a barrel roll through it at you know, 200 feet or something um, or F-16 popping flares which of course hasn't happened um, it the actual people who have been doing it for donkey's years are still there and they're still quite happy to give useful um helpful information but it, it's intermingled by others who um might feel like it's their sort of it, it, you know that it's theirs um but the flip side is that you know people join these facebook groups they if they have questions like where is it you know, are, is there flying on the weekend? 
I mean, if I join any Facebook group and I want to know a sort of certain modicum about something, I'd probably have a quick search first before asking a question, just because I wouldn't want to look like an idiot. So maybe it's mm. there's a li- there is a little bit of stuff on, on on their end as well that they should have done before, you know, clogging up a group with another post about something that if they'd have just scrolled or used the search box or even just used Google, it could have been so much easier. Um, but there we are. Uh, uh, one I've uh, very obviously specific to at the moment, not to go off too much of a tangent on social media and stuff. Um, obviously a big one at the moment we, we touched upon it last week is a lot of people you know going onto flight radar or any other sort of flight tracking software and I mean with the great weather we've had at the moment yeah. obviously there's a lot of survey flights going on at the moment and I'm on I'm I'm on quite a few um, airport um, civilian airport Facebook pages probably because 90% of the time I'm looking for photos of when I used to fly Dash 8 um, I wouldn't want to be reminded but, of that. <laughs> um, Wait, waiting to get packed. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but the big one I see is um, uh, people going, "Oh, what's this plane doing? Um, what's this plane doing? Weird wiggles over the UK, and why is this plane painting zigzag motions?" And you know, again, it's six of one half dozen of the other. If you just did a Google, you'd find that it's just a survey flight. But then on the flip side of that, you find a bunch of people jump on the poster saying, you should know this, you should know this, what a stupid idiot, blah, blah, mm. blah. And it's this toxicity of like, yeah, all right, fine, yeah, try and do your research. But there's absolutely no need to bite someone's head yeah, off over right. it. No, completely not. And that that is an element of the hobby that maybe, again, is something that's come about in the last few years. Perhaps it's a product of social media is that sort of 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 I don't know what you call it protectionism of, of the hobby and and assuming people should know everything can any of us say that we had any idea about the hobby before you know when we started I, I can't at all no well I don't, I don't think anyone could but I hope that I haven't asked too many stupid questions along the way and I've actually gone to the effort of trying to find out an answer of of something first yeah i mean i'm i'm much better placed to do research into stuff than i was at the start but to go back to my first spotting trip to bryce norton you know i asked on the forum where can i go what does it what do i do where do i park you know that kind of stuff because i didn't know if you could park on that road and fortunately i was actually given some very good advice by nick challenger who was as then was the not sort of second in charge of ucar um, and it was very useful advice and it was because I'd never done anything like it I'd never gone and stood by a fence at an airport or an airfield before nerd <laughs> <laughs> which funnily enough I don't know why I went that day funnily enough was something that I was quite sure very early on when I started going to air shows and getting back into planes that I was quite certain I would never do because that was too nerdy for me. <laughs> and look where we are now. Look at you. Yeah. And now, of course, we've we've all been spotting. We've all been spotting together. And it's an, it's, it's an interesting discussion, though the the impact that social media has had on the hobby, both positive and negative. And there's there's huge swathes of points for you know in either camp. Um, so yeah, we should definitely do a podcast on that. Well, how about we leave this episode on that note and maybe we can come back to it next very week. good so i think any anyone listening to this now will probably have a chunk of possibly three episodes so probably next week's social media discussion as well um when we actually launch the podcast so you'll probably be able to go straight into that and hear our thoughts of course for us it'll be a week apart uh but i think there's a very good discussion to be had on how social media has for better or worse changed the hobby yeah absolutely yeah I can put pictures of Dash 8s as my cover photo so for me social what a win <laughs> I promise I, okay I'll make a promise now next week I will not make a single mention about the Dash 8 yeah we'll hold you to just that. next week or beers on me if okay, just in general <laughs> was it last week you made the comparison yeah. about never drinking again but carrying on drinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well I think that's been quite interesting it's been a lot to ruminate on certainly with regards to the current situation um, 
obviously not quite sure where we'll do it but if you've got your own thoughts on the matter then you know looking a couple of weeks ahead for us right now but let us know in the sure there'll be a form forum thread for it absolutely and, uh, see you for another episode so goodbye from us <laughs>